Big Finish presents Doctor Who Short Trips. The Doctor's First Eleven by Ian Atkins, read by Stephen Critchlow. The TARDIS materialization went ignored by the people of Hedrigar City. They had other problems. The Doctor and Romana emerged from the police box, coughing almost immediately at the fog-like banks of dust and black smoke which billowed around them. Through occasional breaks in the swirling cloud, they could see a vast area of flattened structures glowing at the edges like a coal fire. The Doctor eyed it warily. No need to wonder where the distress call came from, he said, pushing out his lower lip as he brooded at the sight. Romana stood, hands on hips, staring around them. Only recently she'd have pulled the tracer from her belt and got on with the next step of their quest to recover the key to time. She was finding independence a little disconcerting and had almost welcomed this mission of mercy. But now... Some sort of colony, isn't it? What's happened? The doctor was already moving towards the middle of the carnage, a medical case in hand, picking his way over beams and rubble. Who can say? Looks like an orbital bombardment. The Daleks would do this sort of thing in passing just to keep in practice. Timescale's about right with them, too. Will they return? The doctor hefted the bag in his hand. That's not really the priority right now. So we're going to help out? The doctor paused. Something wrong? Romana brushed floating cinders from her hair, soot making black streaks in the brown. Well, it's a bit like interfering, isn't it? No, not at all. It's a lot like interfering. But I think in this case, the doctor judged, no one could blame us, hmm? There was so much blood. Explosions had turned the concrete buildings into shrapnel bombs. There were so many burns, as fuel supplies were turned into vast roses of fire by the shrapnel. And there was so little air, as the heat burned up the oxygen far more efficiently than mere lungs. The Doctor and Romana worked, saving where they could, covering with blankets where they couldn't. The settlement had short, simple burial rites, this proved particularly helpful in the following weeks. Eventually, the death slowed. People started leaving the makeshift hospital instead of entering it. Here's a fresh batch of protocillin, the doctor said breezily entering the ward. It was early one morning. Romana nodded, putting aside a clipboard confirming another shift of issuing various medicines and advice to the scant personnel. Coffee, too, courtesy of the food machine. Alan K-9 sends his regards. You've got him working at last. For a moment, the doctor looked shifty. Uh, still having some trouble replacing the brain, but we'll get there, we'll get there. He sat down and eyed the people in the ward. Romana sat beside him, scooping up the coffee and sipping it. We're fighting a losing battle, you know. What? Rubbish! No fatalities for a week, at least. Psychologically, I mean. I'd say they were registering a nine or even ten on the Tandenberg scale. It's a broken society, Doctor. Look at them. Rows of people sat in beds, staring. 
as if on the strong medication the doctor knew they weren't. You don't hear casual talk, or games, or jokes, or even social niceties. Romana listed with certainty. Anything above an eight on the scale is viewed as unrepairable. Pah! The doctor snorted explosively. They'll get over it. Random attack like that is bound to be a shock. A trauma, doctor, as in traumatized. We should just be grateful they're not a spacefaring race. Can you imagine the damage they could do like this? The doctor patted her shoulder. We've done what we can, Romana. It's about time we were moving on. A small boy ran out of the tent and he idly watched him go. The boy was there later when the travelers returned to the TARDIS, but found their way blocked by a mass of people. The doctor watched the crowd. They stared back with grimy, hopeless faces. Children huddled close to mothers or fathers, rarely both. Others stood very much alone. There was no explicit threat. All hands were empty. But the mood itself, sometimes a frightened crowd, was full of sharp edges. They parted for a stooped man with a tattered sash which still held traces of the color of his office. Blunt features and cropped white hair gave him a threatening air, despite the innocent way he stretched his hands out. Is it true, Doctor? Were you and the Lady Romana leaving us? Well, well you know how it is, Presenter. Things to do, places to see. But Romana and I are sure you'll do great things, aren't we, Romana? Oh, yes, absolutely. Presenter's smile hardened. I'm... I'm less convinced at this stage, Doctor. Oh, dear. The Doctor guided Romana towards the TARDIS, only to find that they were being covered by one of Presenter's militia with an ugly club in his hands. He turned back. Now, we'd love to stay, but we've got you back on your feet, which, incidentally, we'd appreciate you keeping quiet. And we really shouldn't be hanging around. Besender shook his head. This is a broken place, Doctor. You've both seen it. You two are the only things keeping it together. I think you're staying. We think you're staying. Romana drew close to the Doctor. Run for the TARDIS? she murmured. The Doctor looked at the crowd, seeing the truth of the leader's words in their vacant faces. Better do as they want, Romana. He hissed out of the corner of his mouth before brightening up. Do you know, Persender, why don't we both just stay for a bit longer, eh? The leader smiled humorously. Yes, Doctor. Why don't you? The militia separated the two, moving Romana to a second makeshift hospital, fitted out like the original by people who could copy but were too numb to create. As the days wore on, she tried to engage them in conversation, but the momentum she achieved lasted for an instant. Too often she'd see a spark of enthusiasm or interest die, even as it ignited in the eye. She focused on the work, Unsure of all but the most basic biology of these humans, and reliant on the machines they'd brought from the TARDIS to help on the finer points. She asked for news of the Doctor. It became clear very quickly this was not to be discussed.
They tell me you travel through space in this thing. Pesenda asked, walking with the doctor as the sun set behind the shattered horizon one day. The blue shape of the TARDIS huddled, dirty and ignored before them. Yes. Pesenda watched the face with a fascination. Oh, you don't want me to ask the next question, do you, Doctor? I'm sure you'd give anything for me not to. The Doctor said nothing. Will you take us away, Doctor? All of us. From here. I know of the properties of this thing. I know you could do it. I can't, Pesenda. Can't or won't. Won't, then, the doctor shrugged. Your people are too broken now. I simply can't unleash that on the universe. Pesenda laughed softly to himself. Oh, the hypocrisy. You would view me as the villain in all this. Yet you could save us, Doctor. So what does that make you? One day there was a disturbance. The air suddenly loud with machines making the ground shake. Romana saw the people in a hospital drop as one, cowering under what shelter they could find, making pitiful, fearful noises. She moved outside, curious towards the noise. A guard shadowed her, as always. Beyond the rubble of the streets, an area in a vast circle was being cleared by a large agricultural vehicle. Romana stood behind two soldiers watching the work, listening to them. That ground took a direct hit from a mutagenic weapon. Only way to clear it for sure, he says, is to flatten it. The second soldier was incredulous. Flatten it, yeah, but plant on it? Is he mad? It's mutagenic poisoning, Romana told them coolly. The only way to clear that is to give it organic energy to burn itself out. So you plant on it. She saw them glance at her in the way the locals always did. Somewhere between fear and awe and not wanting to hold her gaze. She gave it little thought. Standing at the edge of the cleared ground, directing the efforts, was a familiar figure she'd not seen in a while. The doctor gave her a little wave. The workshop had been put together hastily, just like all the other structures on Hedrigar. The walls crooked and the shelving askew. When Persender limped his way in, the doctor was working at a bench, curls of wood flicking through the dusty air like feathers. Morning, Persender, the doctor said without stopping. How's the leg? The leader tapped his thigh. You did a good job. I'd rather gather that's why you're keeping us on. Against our will, of course. But why let a little thing like that spoil a nice day? Persender gave a sneer. How bored I become of your attempts to take the moral high ground. You act so high and mighty, Doctor. So much better than us. Yet you spent all morning creating a club. A weapon. What? You think you can use that on me? How far do you think you'd get? The Doctor hefted the object free of the workbench, blew sawdust from it, and sighted along the longest of its edges. Passander had stepped back. It's not a weapon, the Doctor said simply. It's a bat. Romana? Romana? The boy who came running saw the object of his attention sigh at his approach and put aside a medical instrument. What is it now, Craig? 
Romana brushed a strand of her hair back under the hat she wore. Oh, for goodness sake, breathe. It's not as if we're going anywhere. There's an order from Persender. He's been talking to the doctor. Romana folded her arms. I see. And what have we got to do for you now? The boy stared straight back. We have to play cricket. What? They'd driven vehicles over and over the planted area of land, so that the pitch was carpeted with crushed greenery. The air was sickly with chlorophyll. The doctor stood in the centre where white lines had been etched out with medical plaster. Nice day for it, the doctor announced loudly as Romana approached. A militiaman behind him prodded him with a club. No communication with a prisoner of any kind. The doctor gave him a look. We don't trust you, doctor. Persander had been following Romana to the wicket. He leant on his stick, eyeing the two Time Lords. I'm prepared to go along with the charade, because, as you've said, Doctor, there is value in distraction to my people. But should you prove to have any other motives, it would be unwise. Unwise? The Doctor repeated, as if musing over the word. Yes, well, I suppose it would. He produced a coin from his pocket. Would you like to ask Romana there if she wants heads or tails? You know, seeing as I can't speak to her. Oh, and ask if she's keeping well. It's been ages. Persander glared, then looked to Romana, raising a questioning eyebrow. Heads, please, and yes, I'm well. A little bored, but otherwise fine. The coin was flipped and examined. Heads it is, the doctor beamed. Romana addressed Persander. Will you please inform the doctor that my team choose to bat second? A presenter, will you tell Romano that that's an extremely foolish decision on a pitch like this? Stop talking! The leader screamed. He pointed with a trembling finger. It may please you to mock my rules, and it will be distasteful to enforce them in more brutal ways. But if you force me to it, then I will. This is always about what you could make me do. Romana watched the doctor. She had expected more characteristic mockery, but he had the attitude of an admonished student at the academy. She felt a chill. It was common talk that Persander and the doctor spent much time in conversation. It seemed he'd got to know the leader better than she'd realised. The innings started shortly after. It was finished ten balls later. The doctor was furious. Wisdom would be spinning in his grave. How dare you mock the spirit of cricket with a display like that? One of the soldiers was standing between them, club raised, but as confused as anyone else about what was going on. Romana folded her arms. Oh, be fair, doctor. If gone unchecked, you would have wasted a whole day on this. Romana. I know you've heard me use the expression, it's just not cricket before, but it's a phrase specifically invented for situations like this. He gestured at a set of stumps deprived of bales by a wickedly spun delivery. What do you call that? An application of physics and behavioral psychology. What? Physics, Doctor. With surprisingly little effort, the ball can be made to cut back quite misleadingly. 
And the psychology is just exploiting a fundamental weakness in your team. My team? He called to the boundary in anguish. Don't listen to her team. You did all you could. Haven't you noticed? Romana asked lightly. She waved to get the attention of a player and picked up the ball. She pitched it underarm towards him. She and the doctor observed as the man watched the ball hawkishly as it rose, and then his head stopped lifting once the ball was above the horizon. It dropped at his feet. Since the bombing, doctor, they're all scared of the sky. The doctor wore a defeated expression. He muttered to himself, brushed a hand through his mop of curls and then sighed. That's as maybe, Romana, but there's such a thing as being a good sport. Romana arched an eyebrow. You're asking me to manipulate the game either way. It's worth thinking about. Don't you think so, Pacenda? Romana's expression changed. For a moment, there was a realization there, one that was quickly hidden away. So this is it, then? The old man coughed irritably. Is this cricket finished? It might as well be, the doctor admitted. There was a strong sense of anticlimax about it all. But the sandwiches and cake made from rations proved popular enough that they decided to do it again a year later. The doctor was in his hospital giving someone an eye test when Persender sought him out. He walked slower now, his leg aching, his hand calloused where he'd got used to the stick. Follow my finger, his prisoner was ordering. The patient followed with his gaze, middle to left, middle to right, middle downward, middle to... Not up? The doctor insisted gently. Oh well. Ah, Persender, how can I help you? It's this cricket thing again tomorrow, is it? That was the general idea, yes. Persender sat heavily down and gestured the patient away with irritation. What do you think you can achieve with it? If you'll remember, it wasn't my first choice. I disliked your other suggestions. To my mind, there was too much of a chance of escape or communication. Ah, yes, I remember. The doctor idly put away the equipment in front of him. Your people need something to look forward to, something to bring them together. And it teaches teamwork, reliance. He gave a despairing sigh. It teaches fun, Persender. Remember that, eh? Persender waved a finger. I'm on to you, Doctor. I know what you're doing. Ah, the Doctor said warily. You do? The charm offensive. The increasingly sympathetic prisoner, wearing down hostile opinion until one day the gates are forgotten about and left open. He gestured at his shrunken body, his thinning, brittle white hair. You two don't age like us, do you? All this time, and you look barely a day older than when you arrived. Whereas I know... I'll be sleeping soon. You plan to just out-age the memory of why we're keeping you here, until one day the gates are forgotten about and left open. The doctor shrugged, as if not knowing what to say. 
I'm afraid I'm too clever for you. That's your trouble, you see. You're a very clever man, Doctor. So's the girl. Well, technically, she can't be a clever man. Shut up! You see, you assume everyone else is so small, so stupid. But I see your plans. And I have my own. The doctor's eyes locked on his. Bassenda shifted on his seat with something like pride. Ah, that's rattled you, hasn't it? Oh, stupid Bassenda. He can't have bested me, can he? I have, Doctor. I have. I've created a record of you two, reminding people why we keep you. And every year, they all have to see it. Within a generation, they'll know every word. They'll be tested on it in schools. The doctor toyed at the rough edge of a bench, pressing a splinter back flush to the surface. You must be so proud, Pesenda. An oppression turned into a tradition, like Christmas. The second ever match of the doctor's first eleven versus the rest of Hedrigar City lasted for most of the day. With teams bowling underarm and a not above the shoulders rule, the doctor's team won by 38 runs. And when the last ball was bowled, guards came and escorted both team captains away to their different parts of the city. There had been several more games staged before the doctor was summoned to a dwelling in the centre of Hedrigar. He went cautiously into a space made dark by closed shutters but had known for weeks what was coming. Bassenda seemed heavy on the bed, drawn in on himself, trying not to shiver. He'd lost much of his hair, and his face was angles where skin stretched over bone. The doctor recognized the people around the bed, Bassenda's staff and helpers. He nodded to a few and placed a doctor's bag on a side table. The dying leader eyed it suspiciously, you can help me, then. A few more weeks? The doctor nodded. At the very most, Bissender. I'm sorry. There was a snarl. Don't be. This is enough. I welcome it. But you can get out. I won't give you satisfaction. Bissender, if you think it gives me any satisfaction to see you die then you clearly don't understand me at all. He seemed to think about it. But then we wouldn't still be here if you did, would we? Get out! Not much later, the doctor saw people emerge from the building, their heads hanging, talking in low tones. A fair-haired man adjusted an unfamiliar sash over his shoulders. The doctor approached him. Jackar, please accept my condolences. Is there anything I can do? The man curled his lip. Jackar no longer, doctor. He asked me to take his name as much as his role, as a reminder to you. You will call me Persender now, and do everything exactly as you have been.
The next cricket match saw the rest of Hedrigar City win by two wickets. There was some controversy over a crucial no-ball call, which the doctor eventually conceded with poor grace. It was the first year that fruitcake was served with the tea. I believe this question was something of a tradition with my predecessor, Basenda said. Romana said nothing and looked only briefly at the blue box the leader gestured to. The buildings around it remained unrepaired, but for a few areas of fresh paint, which never quite finished a job. You can both have your freedom right now, if you'll take us all away from here. I believe your predecessor used to talk to the doctor, Romana shrugged. Why don't you try him? Because I know what he'll say. He thinks we're dangerous, that we're beyond hope. Did he actually say that, Pisander? I'm really more interested in what you'd say. Romana looked at him in exasperation. I'd say no, too. And if you're quite finished with this nonsense, I'm late for a coaching session. The doctor entered the impromptu changing room. The eleven people there wouldn't meet his gaze, but made murmurs of greeting. Good morning, team, he boomed. A few new faces, I see. Not to worry. The older hands should be able to confirm I'm not the ogre your regular briefing sessions tell you. But that's for you to decide. And if any of you drop a catch, you may find those briefings were right. <laughs> Nobody laughed. But then they never did. The doctor sighed to himself and started to erect a blackboard. Now, I've got some new ideas for our fielding positions. Pay close attention for a while, then we'll go and have a knock around, eh? The highest innings score ever was 389 for three. It came mere weeks after the death of another Pesenda. There was no cake served as a mark of respect. Romana was washing her hands when a woman came into the ward. It had been a quiet day until a routine appendectomy had revealed a secondary illness in the patient and a life had only just been saved. It might have been rewarding and so much simpler if the patient hadn't been so very terrified of her. She cursed the first Pesenda's instructions to the generations and wondered if he depreciated fully the effect it would have. Just one more thing for the people to be scared of when they already had so many options. Romana, at the sound of her name, she turned, drying her hands. Alzair, I was closing up for the day, uh, but if I can... She saw the slight shake of the head at her name and Romana realized what was coming. You're Pesenda now, aren't you? She questioned in a disappointed voice. I'm sorry, Romana. You've been very good to me. A breach birth, yes, I was. Romana remembered bitterly. So you're our new jailer, are you? Someone has to be, yes. I don't believe they do. You know the doctor and I are no threat. Persenda wouldn't look her in the eye. He warned us that you tried to win us over through the years, through all his successes. We still need you to help us. Romana threw down a cloth in frustration. Because you won't help yourselves. I've tried to explain this. And I'm absolutely certain the doctor has. Your society has been horrifically traumatised. 
but everything you do just maintains it. Surely you see that? For a while, there was no answer. I liked you, Romana, but as Persenda, I have to keep a distance. And please, don't put this to the test. The leader was very clear about the sort of steps we'd be justified in taking. Romana began sorting out the requirements for the next day. It was easy, methodical work, and enabled her to keep calm. I was wondering when the threats would start, Alzair. It's a shame it's from you. Persenda nodded to herself and started to leave. I'm sorry I've disappointed you. I wish it had been different. Romana felt herself get cross. If it had been different, I wouldn't need to find a new wicketkeeper now. Aside from the first match, the lowest score by a team ever was 28 runs all out, scored by the rest of Hedrigar City. The condition of the pitch was blamed, as vegetation had started growing again, affecting both outfield speed and crease consistency. A sort of flapjack was served with tea, but not viewed as a success. Through the years, the doctor had carried out much work on the pavilion himself. But the ennui of the society even seemed to affect that too. Now the paint was discoloured, the air musty. He held a bat out, bouncing the ball on the flat wood with what seemed little concentration. Some of the seated players looked around at the regular clack, clack, clack sound. Now then, team, who have we got new today? A hand was gingerly raised. Lexian, isn't it? Your father was an excellent square leg. Your grandfather, too, if I remember rightly. The young man looked back at the doctor. Uh, that's right, sir. The granddad took the last catch in the game of 76, so you let him keep the ball. The reminiscence seemed to spark a slow reaction. Someone mentioned other details of the game. Another corrected the name of a player. The doctor watched the conversation until it dried and the players went silent and awkwardly staring again. Excellent. Now today, I'd like us to feel that a figure such as 230 was achievable. Then it's declare, a slap-up tea, and skittle them all out for 30 at most. What do you say, hmm? Lexian smiled. You missed me in the field last game, Basenda said in a low voice, holding Romana's hand tighter than she intended. The ward was dark at this time of night. Romana changed some pain medication settings. Persenda relaxed back against her sheets. Feels a little unfair, she said more brightly. If I'd known I was going to get sick, someone else could have been Persenda. And I'd have had three more years playing for you. I was always much better than Horndry. You'd have won the last game if I'd been there. And then maybe it wouldn't have been Undra as the next Persenda. You'd better watch him, you know. He's a thinker. I'd say you ought to warn the doctor too, but that's rather out of the question, isn't it? Try not to talk, Alzair. You have to call me Persenda. It's in the rules, she frowned. The rules. Romana avoided the moment by checking instrument readings. 
We've had to do this, Romana. You've been the only hope for our society. And while I can't... And I, I won't stop it. I can at least be the first Persender to say... Thank you. She held Romana's hand for the longest time. And then, slowly, her fingers uncurled. Even as the next match started, as the fielders took to the pitch with the first ball, there was a sense of something not the same with it all. The doctor's first eleven won the toss and elected to bat, putting in a decent but reachable score ahead of tea and a particularly good victorious sponge. The rest of Hedrigar City started to chase the total, with Romana bowled out for three runs when trying a very ambitious sweep and Horndry making a quick 50 before getting out the same way. It was proving to be one of the closer matches, though for those with notebooks or long memories, it wouldn't be the closest ever. Stop! Stop all this at once! A call from the boundary came just as the bowler was in mid-throw. The ball dropped wide and rolled on the dry ground. Persender was heading for the crease, with more guards in attendance that had been seen for a while. Romana's glance at the doctor was worried. Couldn't this have waited? The doctor asked, gesturing to the scoreboard. There are only four balls left. One wicket, a few runs needed. It's terribly bad form to... Persander threw a notebook at his feet. It was a table of figures, turned into hieroglyphics by annotations linking columns and rows in elaborate patterns. The very first Persander said there was more to this cricket than a day's distraction. He told us all to watch. And he was right, wasn't he, Doctor? The Doctor stared back impassively. Romana moved to his side, trying to hide her anxiety. I worked it out, Persender said. A code between you, based on the results across the years. The player numbers, positions, everything. Complicated, I grant you, but the message is there. A lack of response seemed to infuriate him, and the next words were a boast. You evolved an escape plan across the years. And it would have worked, too, if I hadn't found it. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Romana said scornfully, but the doctor shushed her. Gallifrey and Morse code, the doctor admitted. I must congratulate you on your mathematics, but you clearly didn't work it out entirely, did you? Persender bristled. I solved enough. The last ten years were garbled. The last word looked more like hope, which makes no sense, than just nothing. The doctor looked at him intently. If you let us finish the game, I'll explain everything. You can do what you want after that. No. What can a single game do to you, Persender? What are you scared of? The leader looked between the two travellers, then to his guards. Very well. I'll allow it. But then I'm putting an end to this. The doctor beckoned to the bowler and had the ball thrown to him. I think, in the circumstances, I might as well finish this. He took a long run-up and unleashed a hurtling overarm delivery. The batsman reacted with something half intention, half panic, hooking the ball up high off an edge of the bat. A fielder shouted, another in response, 
One ran, cupping his hands, sprinting, sprinting. And looking up into the sky as he followed the trajectory, the ball landed in his hands. But he just held it, almost unknowing. Looking up, in wonder. The action was contagious. People began to stare into the sky, their expressions moving from puzzlement to appreciation. The doctor approached Romana. Please don't say I told you so, doctor. I did though, didn't I? Hope, he laughed. A nine or ten on the Tannenberg scale? You never met him, did you? Frightful pessimist. At last, Pesenda's attention came to them. He'd been staring and staring into the sky. When he lowered his head, the sun gleamed on the trails of tears. What is there to be scared of? He murmured to himself. His bright eyes alighted on the doctrine Romana. Persenda, Romana said carefully, I think the doctor and I would be able to take you all the way from here now. Doctor? What? Oh, yes. Might require a bit of tampering with the TARDIS, but there's a delightful spot off the main space lanes. Bit of a fixer-upper, but I'm sure you'd manage it. After all, you've come this far. You're finally ready to leave. Persenda nodded, wiping his eyes with a small laugh. Then he shook his head. No, Doctor. I think we're finally ready to stay. <laughs>